can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. My, 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 my music hits me so hard. Makes me say, oh my Lord, thank you for blessing me. What am I doing? Hey everybody, welcome to Stop Homer Time. It's a podcast within a podcast, which, which is part of the Overdue Podcast, which is about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. And this is episode something of our hit show within a show. Our wonderful show within a show. We're reading Emily Wilson's translation of the Odyssey, books 16 and 17. Yep. And ain't they grand? Ain't they grand? They're grand ain't books. Ain't they grand? They're a couple of good books. Um, who are up to no good. Uh, Started making trouble with my neighbor. Man, okay. So do you want to... I feel like usually you ask me to do the summary. Do you want me Is to do the summary true? of the last time? Yeah, I feel like you usually do. But do you want to do it this time? Well, sure. Because books 14 and 15 were a couple of boring books. Yeah. That, I mean, like, adjusted for... Inflation. The standards of a book where, in <laughs> like, most of the time, a giant is trying to eat you. Well, adjusted for sometimes in a chapter, like... A giant tries to eat you for three lines, and then you like meet a sea monster and sail away, and then you meet your like, you meet a bunch of dead moms like all in one chapter. Or like a not- giant eats you, <laughs> like eats some of your friends. Yes, and then you like for three lines, and then you escape, and then you taunt the giant, and then you tell all your living men how great you were and how you defeated the giant, and yes. please don't ask any questions about how the giant caper <laughs> went down. <laughs> So 14 and 15, um, which we covered on our most recent episode, so go check that out if you need a refresher. Um, But the big thing is that Odysseus and Telemachus are home in Ithaca. Odysseus is dressed up as an old man, thanks Athena uh, for the old man cosplay, and he (laughs) is... He like tells a fake story to his loyal swineherd, 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 uh, Eumaeus, who's I think a cool guy. We called guy. him a hogsmith last hogsmith. time. <laughs> um, uh, piggist. Um, and he's like, "Here's who I am. It's a lie, but you'll believe it." He tries to say that he knows something about where Odysseus is. Eumaeus doesn't believe him. Um, and then the next book, Telemachus heads home. Um, much to the suitor's chagrin, which we'll talk about on this episode. He manages to avoid the boat full of suitors who want to kill him. Yep. Uh, and then he actually goes right to uh, Eumaeus's cottage. And A very popular swineherd. Very popular. I've got to say. Um, and he meets beggar. Like, do you want to check in with your mom maybe first? Or oh, like... he's, he's going there. He has, he actually gets there in the book we'll talk about today, but he goes there. He has brought home with him, um, Theoclymenus, who is another like seer of, uh, omens. Um, and he's going to go hang out with one of the loyal Odysseus folk. Yeah, I do want to bring up a quick uh, uh, nota bene from last time. <laughs> is that friend of the show, Emily Wilson? <laughs> yep, tweeted at us. Um, I think she DM'd us actually. Yeah, um, but she she told us helpfully that actually I can just like read what she said. But <laughs> okay. uh, she she pointed out about like particularly regarding our our pronunciation. <laughs> um. 
Uh, I just listened to a couple of Stop Homer Time episodes and you do a great job. Fun, friendly vibe and you pick up on lots of important things. I really like that you talk about the funny bits of which there are lots and that you pay attention to poetics and prosody. Is that how you pronounce that word? Sure. Well, there's no guide for it. So whatever. (laughs) Sure. One FYI, I have pronunciation guides for all the names in the glossary in the back. Otherwise, the meter gets totally messed up and the muse starts quietly sobbing under her cloak. JK, she's fine, doing well for her age. Yep. So we're going to do our, we're going to try and improve our game now that we're in the latter third of the book. Um, Listen, it's never too late. Never too late to learn a little bit. It's is, never is our too motto. late. Mm-hmm. So we're in book 16, right, Andrew? Yeah, and sweet 16. Telemachus sweet is 16. at Eumaeus's hut. Um, I have a note here that Telemachus approaches and the dogs are quiet. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a couple. There's a couple dogs in these books. There's and some it's, good dogs. It's a good shorthand for, oh, these people are supposed to be here. Like these well, are. Well, there are frequently they're they're brought up, especially in regards to Odysseus, who's not been home in forever and ever. Like you, you've got to weed out the people who are faithful and the people who know where the bread is buttered from uh-huh. the opportunistic people who assume Odysseus is dead and have just decided to to hitch their wagon to the suitors. Sure, sure. Um, and the sun comes, and um, I Here was just the yeah. Sun. <laughs> I was just struck by there's an early repetition and this is my like verse thing of the episode I think there's an early repetition of Odysseus who is an old man he's disguised as an old man um, still from la- like from last time yeah seeing Telemachus arrive um and he's talking he's saying oh the dogs are friendly with no barking i can hear footsteps he hardly finished when his son his own dear son was there inside the gate uh, amazed, the swiner jumped up, letting fall the cups in which he had been mixing wine. It spilled. He ran towards his master, kissed his face and shining eyes in both his hands, and wept, just as a father when he sees his own dear son, his only son, his dear most precious boy, return from foreign <laughs> lands after ten years of grieving for his loss. And I was just really, like, heartwarmed by all this, like, my son, my boy, my dear son. My sweet, precious boy. Like, you're the, come back to me. The poet... The muse needn't repeat herself if she if she doesn't want to. So like stuff like that always stands out, um, and it just kind of that repetition kind of pops, especially in this verse. Well, and and something that's happening that happens thematically a few different times in both of these books in a lot of different contexts is so you have Telemachus and Odysseus, literal father and son, re meeting each other. Yeah, and the language of like fathers and sons is used multiple times. So here in Eumaeus's case, it's used flatteringly like, like Eumaeus and Telemachus like greet each other as like a father unto a son. And then later more sarcastically, when one of the suitors is, you know, what reference talking to Telemachus like that and Odysseus too, who's still in disguise as a beggar kind of going among the suitors and, and getting the measure of them. They also use, again, some language about, you know, fathers and sons, but it is not meant to flatter. No, that's true. Homer definitely does not care to refer to Antinous in the second person. (laughs) Just say that. (laughs) Uh, So they're just kind of like hanging out. Uh, Eumaeus is like, hey, this old guy is crashing with me. Maybe take care of him while I do some work. Um, They eat some leftovers. Some like leftover meat and bread. At some point, Eumaeus kills another year old pig for him to eat. Yeah, just you know, 
You gotta. But yeah, you gotta like warm up those leftovers. Man, mm, Thanksgiving just happened. <laughs> we ate leftovers for two days, each day more glorious than the last. And Odysseus asks, like, what's the deal, right? With these with these people, they sound really terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about this whole like situation. Uh, there's a bit where Telemachus needs Eumaeus to like assure him that. Penelope hasn't done anything stupid and gone and married anybody. Yeah, it, that comes up a couple times. Is there? There's one, you know, there's a bit where Penelope needs to be verified. And then there's a thing where they're talking about, um, like Odysseus reveals himself to Te- Telemachus when Eumaeus like steps out to do something else. And um, there's this whole passage where they talk about like needing to verify whether whether people have stayed faithful or not. And Telemachus basically says... Like, yeah, we, we should verify that the women are faithful, but don't worry about the men. Like, we can take care of them afterward if it, like, if it yeah. comes out. Do you remember that? It's just, it's just, the and and the Odyssey as a work has done this a few times, is just, like, bagging on women. Yep. I yep. assume the reason is the patriarchy, but, like, other than that, <laughs> there's no reason given. <laughs> yes. Um, but I want to, I want to make sure we don't skip over the moment where, like, so... Odysseus, as the stranger, is like, hey, tell me how bad this situation is. I have to, like, it sounds outrageous. Please, like, what is the cause? Please tell me. Mm -hmm. Telemachus tells him what the deal is. And then Odysseus, like, goes outside for a little bit. And Athena rolls up and is like, yo, you need to tell him. Telemachus can't see her, but Odysseus can. Yeah. And he's like, you, I'm going to, like, turn you back into your hot self. And you need to go tell your boy. Um, and he does it, and this Odysseus is... needs a god to come down from the sky to tell him to stop lying to people for like a second. I'm just gonna throw that out. There. I know, and the transformation's pretty cool. And then Athena touched him using a golden wand and dressed him up in fine, clean cloak and tunic, and she made him taller and younger looking. He became tanned, and his cheeks filled out, and on his chin the beard grew dark. And so her work was done, and off she flew. Odysseus went in. His son was startled and looked down, afraid in case it was a god. <laughs> And he Stranger, you look so different from before. Your clothes, your skin. I think that you must be some god who has descended from the sky. Be kind to us and we will sacrifice and give you golden treasures. Pity us. And there's another little bit later, like at the end of this little section where um, Odysseus is, is talking about the thing Athena did. For heavenly gods, it is not difficult to make a mortal beautiful or ugly. <laughs> I know. The goddess can tr- can transform me as she likes. Like... Ooh, maybe yeah, she's she can. just into it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that Telemachus a... has learned our lesson. Like, keep your head on a swivel. That comes yeah, up again in the, the next Yeah, because the gods can be too. everywhere. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and then they become weepy. You know, we, we've called out the crying boys in all Cry these boys. books so far. With that, he sat back down. Telemachus hurled his arms round his father, and he wept. They both felt deep desire for lamentation and wailed with cries as shrill as birds, like eagles or vultures, when the hunters have deprived them of fledglings who have not yet learned to fly. That was how bitterly they wept. Their grieving would have continued till the sun went down, but suddenly Telemachus said, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So then they, then they get into, like... What are we going to do about the suitors? And Odysseus, imagine saying this to your son. How many suitors are there? What kind of men are they? I am well known for my intelligence. And I will plot to work out if we two alone can fight them. Like, what? Dad. 
I am well known for my intelligence. <laughs> and then they they do a counting of the suitors. So um, just you do your math in your head while I, while I read this. Let me tell you quickly the number of suitors. 52 came from Dulichium. I didn't check these. I didn't check them. <laughs> it's fine. All top-notch fighters who brought six henchmen. 24 men came from same, same. 20 more from <laughs> Zakynthus. And from right here on Ithaca came 12, all strong young men. They have a houseboy with them named Medan and a poet and two slaves, well-trained in carving meat. If we attack when all those men are crowded in the house, I am afraid you will be paying back their violence at all too high a price. Is it Medan or Meden? I think it's Meden. Meden. So like 108 dudes, a houseboy, a poet, and two slaves. And two slaves who are well-trained in carving meat. Yeah, carve your meat. Um, That's a lot of guys. It's a lot of guys. And so Odysseus is like, do you think we could take them like just you and me or should we have other people? And what's his plan? His plan's like, okay, I'm going to be old again. You go into the house and like hide all the weapons. Right. His plan is so, so I, I think just as ornamentation, you would have like they have a bunch of weapons hanging up in the house. And Odysseus's plan is to for Telemachus to go in to put them all away and say, oh, they were too close to the fireplace. It was damaging them. And also, if there are just weapons around, people will be more inclined to use weapons. Hmm, weird. Hmm. Weird. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and, we might, we and, might get drunk and settle scores with them. Yeah. And, and Odysseus says, but, you know, leave out a couple sets for you and me. Yes. And also Athena and Zeus will be there and they'll help us out. And this and this is where uh, uh, his glowing son, Telemachus, says the thing you mentioned earlier. <laughs> My glowing son. <laughs> where he's like, I agree you should My find. precious glowing boy. I agree you should find out about the women, which of them are innocent and which dishonor you. However, I have no desire to traipse around to test the men. We can do that later if Zeus reveals a sign to you. Um, which is just like, there's, I don't remember if it's in this book or the next book where they specifically mention that these suitors have been like, just taking these women, like these slaves and, and housewomen, like sexually, just like yeah, straight yeah. up raping them. Yeah, and Wilson uses the word rape, and and we talked about in the very first episode a bit about her like translators yes. notes and mm-hmm. how intentionally she uses words like slave and rape. Yeah, where, that's true. Um, earlier translators might have been a little more euphemistic about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it but it really drives home the 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 fact that these poor women do not have any say in this no. like at all. No, and yet the women are the ones who are who are being judged and being like held suspect where the the men even though we have like demonstrably there's a so you know we have Eumaeus our beautiful swine herd our good good boy and then we have this terrible goat herd yeah he's in the next just, book do, he's bad do you have his his name to hand um, Melanthius I think yeah and he's just totally thrown in with the suitors kind of representing the the bad servant model Yes. And and yet like he's the one oh like the this kind of person we can deal with after the fact. Like it just it just kind of sucks. It's really not fair. Um so we cut we kind of do like a little uh yeah, Mel- Melanthius, yes. So we do a little like uh montage of news being delivered um that Telemachus is around. Smash cut to the suitors who are of course like going full on like Megatron from cartoon transformers like oh drat foiled again let's well, get they're, next they're coming week. there's a ship of them coming back from having yes. been foiled and killing telemachus 
And they're like, oh, send them a message. No, wait, they're back. We can tell them the bad news already. Um, and there's like a little scene where one of them, I don't remember which one of them, Amphinimus, I think, is like, maybe we don't need to kill him. Maybe we can, like, deal with him differently. I don't really know what his end game was. I think his, his so you've got... Like Antinous, who's clearly just like the worst of of the That's worst, true. like the worst guy, and then you've got these other suitors who do things like, oh, we should, you know, we shouldn't like hit the beggar because gods in disguise <laughs> come around all the time, and it might be a god in disguise, so we should be nice to him. They say, you know, maybe we don't need to kill Telemachus because killing like the lord of this land would be wrong. Like there, there are even though. As is foreshadowed here, their ultimate like punishment is not going to be any different. Yeah. Like they they are still kind of showing us, like Homer is still showing us that there is a spectrum among these suitors. So um this is a scene in book 17 where Odysseus, once again um disguised as a beggar, is gonna go into his own house and um and beg for food among these suitors. Um, man, you're skipping ahead now. Bud. Sorry, I'm just. Well, I mean, thematically, it all ties together. Like okay. We got here organically. Um, with both hands, he took the food and set it at his feet on top of his old ragged bag and ate and listened to the singer in the hall. As he was finishing, the music stopped. The suitors shouted, and Athena stood bef- beside Odysseus and prompted him to going among the suitors begging scraps to find out which of them were bad or good. Although she had no thought of saving any out of the massacre which was to come. <laughs> okay. Yep. Which is like classic Odysseus and Athena is like, ju- let's just lie to people. Like, we don't have any plan. Like, it's not for any reason, but we should just do it anyway to cover well, all our bases. And also, the two of them as like this superhero duo, just like feeling like we can handle anything. And they're really enabling each other, too, it's in, in really all bad. their lives. But um, no, I just, I, I only jump ahead to that because I, I think it, it, it comes up over and over again. And that, that's a really obvious place where it, where it comes up. Like, Sure, sure. The suitors are both lumped together into one unit, but also not in ways that are like it's just it's interesting that Homer takes the trouble to do that, even though ultimately their fate is to be the same. Yeah, there's there's like hemming and hawing within the group to show you like diversity of opinion and you know, they might all arrive at the same bad place for different reasons. <laughs> uh, so in that scene where they're they're talking about whether or not they're going to kill Telemachus again, Penelope walks into the room having found out about the plan to kill her son. Medan um, told her that. And she starts yelling at Antinous and is just like, you're a big jerk. I hate you. This sucks. Um <laughs> She calls him a brute, a sneak, a criminal. She calls him insane um, and just wants all the suitors to stop, stop all their nonsense. And Antinous is like, hey, don't worry. There is no man and never will be hey, baby. who can harm your boy while I am hey, still alive upon hey, this baby, earth. baby, don't worry about it. I swear to you, if someone tries my sword, we'll spill his blood. <laughs> your city-sacking husband often would take me on his lap and give me tidbits of meat with his own hands and sips of red wine. So Telemachus is now the man I love the most in all the world. The boy is in no danger, not from us. There is no help for death brought by the gods. He spoke to mollify her all the while he was devising plans to kill her son. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love this bit for so many reasons, but the 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 thing I love the most about it is that it drives home just like how bad this guy is, is yeah. that he is an Ithacan who like explicitly yes. was given stuff by Odysseus as a child. And now he's like, well, I'm going to take your wife and kill your son and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Sucker. I dare you. I dare yeah. you. Like it, it, he is by far the most depraved and horrible of the suitors. And yes. it's partly because of all this and partly because he does dis Eumaeus. That's true. That's in true. In a big way. Are you ready to talk about that or do you want to talk about other stuff? The I only that I'm jumping around a lot. No, it's okay. There's some, there's some stuff to cover real quick. So, um, Eumaeus comes back. He tell he talks about the suitors. They're still there. They're still terrible. Um, there's like a little line note I clocked of um, when Penelope goes to bed. It says until Athena gave her sweet eyes sleep, and then the last line of the book is when they were finished cooking, they shared the dinner equally and all had plenty. Then they took the gift of sleep, and that's I don't know that I'd clock that in other books because that does happen where like gods pour sleep on people. And, and sometimes it's, it's just an excuse for Odysseus to like be sleeping while yeah. one of his underlings does something stupid. <laughs> but in this case, it's portrayed as as a gift or, or like literally a godsend, like something uh, that is helping one of our protagonists. Yeah, and that just like the mystery of sleep. Like I don't know why it happens. Nobody knows Nobody why knows. we have to sleep. It's <laughs> it's wild. Like it's 2018, and people are just like, yeah, we have to be unconscious for a few hours every day. I don't understand why we just have to do it. Pretty great. What? It must be the gods. Must be. That's as good an explanation as anybody has. Yep, that's <laughs> like true. To this day. Welcome to book seventeen, Andrew. Insults and abuse. Mm. Um. So Telemachus is going to go home. Uh. He goes home and talks to his mom, and she's like, "Cool, good to see you." And he's like, "Great, put on some new clothes, and uh, you know, go sacrifice some stuff so that Zeus kills these guys." <laughs> <laughs> he just yells at his mom to like clean herself up. It's pretty, pretty rough, Telemachus. A little bit. Um, and he tells his story where she's like, "Did you find out what happened to your dad?" And he's like, "Yeah, Menelaus told me this whack story about a sea god saying dad's alive. Um, he's out there probably somewhere. Maybe we'll I see." Say again. not not as gifted a liar as his dad at this point. No, like he's just he's telling a lie of omission, which is one of the simpler. Lies. Yes, yes. And then his 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 seer friend, uh, Theoclymenus, is like, hey, here I had a vision that Odysseus is here. It's all going to work out. And everyone's like, cool. Where'd you come from? <laughs> What's your deal? <laughs> uh, and then we get this scene with the bad goat herd that you alluded to an- earlier, Andrew. You want to talk about that? Melanthius. That's, mu- that's pretty much the deal, right? Is They're like walking through town, Odysseus uh, dressed as the old guy and Eumaeus. And a dude just straight up kicks him, like just, just straight, straight up. up. Him, yeah. With that, he sauntered past him and lunged out to kick him on the hip bone. What a fool. Odysseus was not pushed off the path. He stood there fixed in place and wondered whether to rush at him, armed with his stick and kill him or grab him by the ears and push him down onto the ground. Instead, he braced himself and kept his temper. When the swineherd saw Melanthius insulting him, he prayed arms high. O fountain nymphs, O Zeus's daughters, if ever King Odysseus brought bones of lamb and goats, 
in luscious fat for you, then now fulfill my prayer. May spirits guide him home. My master will put paid to all the bluster of this rude man who loafs round town and lets the animals be ruined by bad herders. Melanthius the goat herd sneered at him. Oh, very nice. The dog learns how to talk, and it has learned some tricks. One day I will take him by ship and row him far away from Ithaca and get a heap of treasure by selling him. I wish Apollo would shoot silver arrows at Telemachus tomorrow in his house or that the suitors would kill him. I am sure Odysseus is far away and never coming back. Ho, 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 my dude. You're about to be unpleasantly surprised. Do you think when Telemachus was growing up, how many people were like, your dad's never coming back? Like, what a bully thing to say to Telemachus. Like, I don't know. Did he have to go to school with the (laughs) hoi polloi? Like, literally the hoi polloi? Or... I don't know how that works. Like, but I bet Telemachus would have had a rough time in middle school if he did have like to go to middle school. Just things happen, and, and like we talked about before, things happen on such a big time scale, and people are getting back home like within a few years of this. So yes. maybe as a child, people would not have known whether his dad was was coming back. Yeah, that's true. But this so seems I, I don't really know that impressive. that would have been like a like a formative incident for him. But yeah, Melanthius sucks. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, old old man Odysseus walks into his his own house and goes, "This is Odysseus' splendid palace." And then <laughs> Odysseus brags about his own house for a couple lines. He loves to do that. That's one of his his main reasons to be in disguise is just to be like, "Oh yeah, that Odysseus guy, huh? He's really great." I love that he's like, "Oh man, this is great. I smell meat and hear the lyre, which gods have made companion to the feast." Eumaeus answered, "Right, you are per- perceptive." Good job, old man. Good job, master. Good job, my master, whose house this is. You weirdo. Um, and he's, he says, I've, what does he say? I have been hit before. I know hard knocks, which I thought was just a fun It's from modern, the school of hard knocks. The school of hard knocks. Speaking of going to school. Then we get this sad dog beat, oh, Andrew. sad dog. This, what the heck? This is a famous bit of this book where the, it's Odysseus's dog Argos, who yes. was young and hale when Odysseus left for Troy. Um, as they spoke, Argos, the dog that lay there, raised his head and ears. Odysseus had trained this dog, but with no benefit. He left too soon to march on holy Troy. The master gone, boys took the puppy out to hunt wild goats and deer and hares. But now he lay neglected, without an owner, in a pile of dung from mules and cows. The slaves stored heaps of it outside the door until they fertilized the large estate. So Argos lay there dirty, covered with fleas. And when he realized Odysseus was near, he wagged his tail and both his ears dropped back. He was too weak to move towards his master. At a distance, Odysseus had noticed, and he wiped his tears away and hid them easily, and said, Eumaeus, it is strange this dog is lying in the dung. He looks quite handsome, though it is hard to tell if he can run, or if he is a pet, a table dog, kept just for looks. Eumaeus, you replied, this dog belonged to someone who has died in foreign lands. If he were in good health as when Odysseus abandoned him and went to Troy, you soon would see how quick and brave he used to be. He went to hunt in woodland, and he always caught his prey. His nose was marvelous, but now he was in bad condition with his master gone, long dead. The women failed to care for him. Slaves do not want to do their proper work when masters are not watching them. Zeus halves our value on the day that makes us slaves. With that, the swineherd went inside the palace to join the noble suitors. Twenty years had passed since Argos saw Odysseus. And now he saw him for the final time. Then suddenly black death took hold of him. That part, that last part didn't have to happen, Homer. You jerk. This is like a 20-year-old dog. I know. 
I, I guess it's like the dog from Futurama. Like he was waiting there <laughs> the whole time. And then he gets to see Odysseus. And it's even a better deal than the dog from Futurama. So he does get to it see Odysseus. And yeah, then like it's... the goat, like the Holy Ghost leaves him. It is it is backing up this theme that we've already talked about. This this division between the people who have stayed faithful and the people who have like forgotten. Yes. And this dog, this poor old dog who's no one ta- who no one has taken care of. Yeah, like he didn't he didn't even know what he was sticking around for, and then he sees his master and he's like, Oh yeah, now I'm good. If I was Odysseus, I might be a little mad that Telemachus did not take care of my dog. Take care of my dog who was laying out in the poop in the street. Yeah. I mean, I know there's a bunch of jerkos like here trying to marry your mom, but like the least you could do is spend time with my dog. I mean, Telemachus was a baby when this dog was also a baby. Like that's what the best time for dogs and babies to get along. Yeah, but there's like we counted all the animals these people have oh. in a, an episode or two ago. Like, what's to distinguish this one dog from any of the other? Okay. <laughs> any of the other animals? Oh, what happened to his nose? He used to have such a good nose. I don't know. It's just this. This is episode is. It sneaks up on you and then it's gone and it's like, it is. So it's very tender and very. It's got a little bit of a like a quick. wonderful life feel to it, but like, it, and it and it sticks with you so much. Like I, I, when we started doing this, I was like, I don't remember when that dog scene is coming, but I know we're going to talk about that dog scene because oh, it's, it's super so sad, sad, and super like so much pathos this dog has. Well, and and put it on the list of scenes in this book that are like a page long, but have like outsized emotional impact. Yeah. And like stand out. Well, where... And that is that is harder to do in this section, this like sort of interlude between Odysseus getting home and Odysseus just killing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there aren't as many famous episodes from this bit because it's mostly just like chatting with Eumaeus and chatting with yep. Telemachus and, yep. and wheeling and dealing and making plans. Like it's it's not lotus eaters it's not like a cyclops correct Correct. like you hiding under a sheet from a cyclops it's not people throwing rocks at your boat it's not like going to the underworld and seeing dead people (laughs) like where what's interesting looking back on it is like the the window dressing around those stories i still i'm fuzzy on again even though we've been doing this show like who exactly was he telling those stories to like people who were taking care of him that is less memorable than the little like the 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 hits the top hits from Odysseus's stories mm-hmm. you know um similarly like well, yeah we're talking to Eumaeus but here's this sad dog bit um okay moving on moving on so moving on from the very sad dog <laughs> so this is where we get to Telemachus being like hey fake dad can you um you know go around and Athena is like yo go around to all these suitors and we're going to do like a naughty or nice thing. Like we're, we're going to kill them all, but we're also going to make a list and check it twice. And he does like get some food, right? He gets some food from people. Pretty much everyone but Antinous gives him food. And it is kind of noted that they are not giving their own food away. But Antinous is so bad that he won't even give someone else's food <laughs> <Yep>. away, <laughs> which is wild. Pretty dumb. And um, and Eumaeus and Antinous get into like a shouting match where Antinous starts it. Pig man, you famous idiot. (laughs) Why did you bring this man here? 
Do we not have already plenty of homeless people coming here to spoil our feasts? Is it not bad enough that they crowd around and eat your master's wealth? You had to ask this other one as well. Eumaeus, you replied. Oh, thank you, Homer. Mm-hmm. Antinous, you are a lord, but what you say is trash. Oh! Oh! Who would invite a stranger from abroad unless he had the skills to help the people, a prophet or a doctor or a builder or a poet who can sing and bring the light? No one would ask a beggar. They bring only their hunger. Whoa. Out of all the suitors, you are meanest to the slaves, especially me. But if the prudent queen and godlike prince still live here in this house, I do not mind. And they go back and forth a little bit, and it gets into the, like, whoa, you won't even give someone else's food away, right? Yeah. I just, I love... You famous idiot. <laughs> famous idiot. I'm start calling people famous idiots because like not only are you stupid, but everyone knows it. <laughs> and then then it's like it get it gets escalated very quickly. Um Antinous uh has like a footstool that he's resting his feet on. Um and Odysseus, his soft feet. His soft feet, which shows that he doesn't work. Yeah. And Odysseus is like, yo, I was royalty. Just like you, I'm an old man who lost all my stuff. Some dude sold me into slavery. Um, Again, he goes on just a little bit longer than is strictly necessary, yeah. crafting this lie about his his former life. Yeah, with that like little bit of truth, then Zeus, who loves the thunder, caused panic in my men, disastrous panic, and they like didn't do what I told them to. Um, and Tinnus is like, this is boring. Get out of here. Um, sharp fate, sharp-witted Odysseus drew back from him and said, you handsome idiot. You would not give a grain of salt from your own house. You sit enjoying someone else's food, and yet you will not give a crumb from this great banquet to me. Uh, Antinous is really mad, and he lifted up his stool and hurled it at Odysseus's right shoulder near his back. It did not knock him over like a rock. Like a rock. He stood like there, shook his head, and silently considered his revenge. Odysseus has decided in this moment how Antinous is going to die. Like exactly how? Like he knew he was gonna die before, but in in this moment, he is he has said, "You know what? I got something special prepared for you. I don't even remember what it is, but I know for sure that Antinous is gonna eat it." Yeah, he's gonna beef it real bad. And what's he's cool, gonna beef it bad? What's cool is that like the the work we were talking about in the previous book of like separating Antinous a little bit from the rest of the crowd pays off here because there's like a little snippet of everyone else in the room being like, "Dude, the whole thing is that gods dress up as homeless people to test us." But all what? the others reproach Antinous insistently. You ought not to have hit a poor old beggar. If he turns out to be a god from heaven, it will end badly. Gods disguise themselves as foreigners and strangers to a town to see who violates their holy laws and who is good. Antinous ignored the suitor's words. The blow increased the pain inside Telemachus' heart, but he let fall no tears. He calmly shook his head and thought about revenge. So that's like the end of that big scene. Penelope's out in the hallway, like listening to what's happening, kind of crying and sad about it. She wants to talk to the stranger. Um, she says that they'll kill the suitors to to get revenge for him. And then like in the other room, Telemachus sneezes and she's like, see, he's angry. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you hear? He sneezed. My son just sneezed at what I said. You heard? It is a sign of death for all the suitors. No one can save them from their ruin now. Instead of saying, instead of saying, Gesundheit or like, God bless you. Next time someone sneezes, I'm just going to be like, who are you going to kill? I'm going to start ascribing. Like, if you sneeze, I'm going to start ascribing. Like, yeah, that proves my point. Craig just sneezed. 
You heard him as well as I did. I mean, that goes like sleeping. Like I'm sure people don't know why sneezing happens in ancient Greece. Like I, they've probably done the cause and effect of like, you know, something spicy near your nose, you might sneeze. But like, yeah, but it's probably because like there was a god in the spice. There was a god you in, in your, your nose. nose who needed to get out. <laughs> Hermes, get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wants to talk to. Odysseus the, the, and the nose god Mucinex. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. Oh no. Um and wants to like hear about stuff and he's like, I can tell you the truth about Odysseus, um, but maybe not now. Maybe we wait till later. Um, till they like go to sleep or go home or whatever. And that's like kinda it, right? They just like people eat some snacks and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the book ends with Eumaeus going back to his work again, all ever faithful Eumaeus. Um, so then Eumaeus sat down on the stool and ate and drank, then went back to his pigs, leaving the palace full of banqueters. It was already late past afternoon. Music and dancing entertained the suitors. Sure, sure. And that's that's our that's our close. I don't I don't think that Eumaeus is going to be a glorious figure in in the coming battle, but. Um, Telemachus, I think, has checked in with some of Odysseus's old friends. They yes, are Piraeus getting word out and, to yeah. Laertes, Odysseus's dad, who can can still hang, I believe. Yeah, he's still out there. I think there was like some specifics about like Telemachus didn't want to tell Laertes directly, but it was cool if Penelope told him that Telemachus yeah. was alive. He still doesn't know about Odysseus, though, I don't well, think. Well, there's, there's also a bit about how Laertes used to come and, and eat with the slaves and hang out with them, which, yes. I, which I think we are we are supposed to take that as a sign of like respect that these suitors clearly don't have for the faithful oh, sure. like, household That's a good point. slaves. Yeah. yeah, and the other, there's a there's a riff on hunger at one point when Odysseus is like preparing for his Oscar-winning performance. Um <laughs> Where he's talking about how like hunger Streep, this guy. <laughs> like motivates all of this behavior. And Eumaeus talks about it too. Um and that again that came up in this scene with Antinous of just like you guys are not you guys don't experience hunger this way and it causes all sorts of like bad stuff and homelessness again coming up as a theme of like any but this could happen to anyone like that's that it is a lie but that's the point of odysseus's like character that he's playing right he's like i am i was this great dude who a bunch of bad stuff happened to and now you threw a chair at me you jerks <laughs> <laughs> like it could happen to you well it, it's it's giving antinous like every every avenue to redeem himself right is like like the one the one thing is like you shouldn't be nasty to beggars because he might literally be a god because gods pull this stuff all the time and then you know and then this thing also yeah well that's like that should be the last it could be you you know like it it should start with the it could be you why would you treat another human poorly and then you have to like if someone won't listen there then then you pull out like the santa claus card and you're like listen there's a person with a list who mm-hmm. is disguised themselves as the homeless person you're beating up. Stop Man. it. Is that what happened to Zeus? Did Zeus retire and become Santa Claus? Is being Santa like, Claus any, like, retirement though? Well, he only he works only one work day. For one day a year and his like look at Zeus's body and look at Santa Claus's body. Oh, dip. Like Santa Claus doesn't he skips not just leg day but every the all the days. Hey, he's He's maintaining at this point, I think. Maintaining what? 
so that's that's where we are. I think next up, it kind of feels like Odysseus. I don't know how long Odysseus is going to be able to wait before he gets into some. Yeah, goodness. I'm not sure. I feel like we're like the okay. So let me let me just look at the chapter titles of the next two. Um, so book eighteen is titled "The Beggars." Two beggars. Two beggars. Yeah, sorry. And um, book nineteen is titled "The Queen and the Beggar." So I think it's going to be more beggar stuff because yeah. book 20 is called The Last Banquet, which has, <laughs> well, okay, so we got book 20, The Last Banquet, book 21, An Archery Contest, book 22, Bloodshed. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we still got a couple more books of building up to the, the climactic final episode. Can't touch this. Look, man, can't touch this. You better get hyped, boy, because you know you can't. You can't touch this. Ring the bell. School's back in. Break it down. Uh, cut to book 18. Two beggars, Andrew. Two beggars. This one got into the action right quick. A little bit, yeah. So the two beggars, one is Odysseus the beggar, and one is this other guy. Do you have his name? I believe it is Iris. Um, yeah. So he's, he, Iris is a big fat guy who just goes from house to house and like takes all the food he can get, basically, right? Yes. He is like a big old beggar, but he's weak, um, which the, the poet tells us very quickly. He ate and drank nonstop, so he was fat but weak with no capacity for fighting. The name his mother gave him as a child was Arnaeus, but all the young men called him Iris because he was their messenger. I'm sure that's funny. Yeah, for it's, a, with it's a more thorough knowledge. It's a reference to some gods, I think. Um, yeah. It's also like it's supposed to connote strength in a sarcastic way, I think, I as see. well. Um, but yeah, so he immediately is like, get this fake beggar out of here. This is my turf. Get off my corner. Um, and, and the suitors are like, well, why don't we make them fight? Yeah, it right? gets into bum <laughs> fights like real quickly in a way that I was this is not bum comfortable fights. with. <laughs> um, like Odysseus is like, yo, I will crack your ribs and smash your face to bloody pulp. Um, and then you will not, you will not survive. Uh, and yeah, the, the suitors are like super into it. Um, and Odysseus like makes them promise not to interfere and Telemachus backs him up. He's like, let me just fight this dude. No one, everyone promised not to like dive on me cause he's your boy. Um, and then he like takes off some of his clothes and his thighs are huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all consented, and Odysseus took off his rags and tied them round his waist, revealing massive thighs and mighty shoulders, enormous chest, and sturdy arms. Athena stood near him and increased his strength to suit the shepherd of the people. The shepherd of the people, by the way, is a very good wrestling name. <laughs> all the suitors were flabbergasted, and they said, This means the end of Iris brought upon himself what muscles underneath the old man's rags. What muscles, indeed. Such muscles. Such muscles. <laughs> He goes like full Popeye on the dude. Yeah. And then <laughs> Athena gives him a can of spinach. <laughs> yeah. And Athena does this a lot. We'll see this in the next book, too. She does a lot of like Instagram filtering people. She does. Yeah. In her God way. Um, and so, of course, Iris is like, oh, man, this old dude's ripped. I'm ruined. And Antinous 
uh, is like, ha ha, you big show off. You'd be better dead than so afraid of some old man worn down by suffering. If this man beats you, proving he is stronger, I will toss you on board a ship and send you off to King, I didn't look this name up, Akedis in mainland Greece, the lord of cruelty and pain. He will cut off your nose and ears with pitiless bronze and then your genitals and he will give them raw to his dogs to eat. (laughs) So this went from like, hey, get off out of the house where I beg for all the food to, oh man, I'm going to get beaten up and then shipped off to the, you know, say the Lord King. of cruelty and pain. Mm-hmm. That's a raw deal. It really is. And then he gets punched in the face and is, and loses like really quickly. His jaw breaks. Yeah. I was struck by the bluntness of the language in this section. Like not only the, the fighting, but like later on, like the use of the word like hobo, and stuff like I, yeah i noted that because it was a really because i looked up the word hobo like it's it's etymology is not known strictly but it entered into the, the american english lexicon in like the very late 1800s okay um there are different um is it like homeless body about, well so some people think it may be derived from the term ho boy meaning far farmhand okay okay or a greeting like ho boy <laughs> Um, or possibly a, a railroad greeting, ho, Bo, like as in Bo, like a, like a guy. Yeah, sure. Like your Bo. Yeah. Um, or a syllabic abbreviation of homeward bound. Mm, interesting. Um, could also come from the words homeless boy. Huh. So, yeah. But so- the point, point being is that, that Wilson has, like, hobo is not a word that would have existed in, in Greece, but... Wilson has selected it as the as the term that makes the most sense. Yes, yes. To us, which I I don't know, I like that. Yeah, it's, it happens later when when Odysseus is arguing with one of the suitors, he called the he gets called a nasty hobo. But even the just the blunt verbs of like the punch and the blood gushing from the mouth and stuff, it's it a thing that has occurred to me a lot while reading this story, uh this version of it in particular too is like the lack of dust on the word choices for stuff like fighting like it doesn't feel quote-unquote epic or like poetic it's just people getting their teeth punched in (laughs) Uh, which is kind of nice I also I wrote as a note in the section where he like takes off his rags and he has big muscles (laughs) I just wrote she's all that (laughs) yeah he was a muscle-bound warrior boy the whole time uh so I just needed the confidence to know it after Odysseus wins the fight, he does speak to one of the suitors, Amphinimus, um, and he tells him another lie. And he's like, but at the end of all of this, um, there's going to be some blood. Odysseus is going to come back and it's going to be bad. And Amphinimus is supposed to heed that warning, but Athena, like, it's implied that Athena is, like, keeping him there somehow just by keeping his fate there so that telemachus can kill him right because in at some point in the last two or three books we've been told already that they're all gonna die and yes. there's no saving them so like antinous clearly is the worst of them and is kind of the ringleader but then there are these other lesser suitors who might have been able to get out but they still have been here this whole time you know they're yes yeah. Uh, so just cause you weren't leading the pack doesn't make the stuff that you did any like less bad. Correct. I guess. Correct. Um, and that follows Odysseus kind of harping on that, the perennial theme of, Hey, bad stuff happens to all of us. So we should be humble about it. Like I used to be a cool dude, but now 
like I did some crimes and now I'm homeless or something. Um, you know, you should get out of here before bad stuff happens to you. And, and, and Od- Odysseus, as beggar, does reiterate that line several times. Like, yes. I used to be more fortunate. I used to be what you would consider rich. Yeah, there's a lot. And of, now I'm not. A lot so. about the dignity of the of the of folks without homes. The, a lot of it's, it's interesting. Um, contrast that with the word hobo getting tossed around. Um, Athena then goes to Penelope and is like, "Hey." Could you like go downstairs and give these guys a bunch of hard ons? Like, could you, like, maybe you should walk downstairs and Was let that this... in the translation. Well, the what? Okay, Wilson chose desire would open open up inside them like a sail, which I think is a little more poetic Ooh. and probably speaks to their emotions and not just their bodies, but not just their boners. Yeah, um, and also go down and like your. She's not saying it explicitly because Penelope doesn't know that he's Odysseus now, but it is implied that Odysseus and Telemachus are going to get a reminder of what they're fighting on behalf of. Um, like, they will respect you more, I think is the line. That, that's hey, Telemachus, there. get a load of your hot mom. <laughs> get a load of your hot mom. <laughs> um, so then she puts another Instagram filter on Penelope and makes... Make her skin appear even whiter than it is. Yeah, and it's one of those things where is this real it doesn't really matter if it's real or not or if it's just like magic like illusion magic or if she's actually making her literally hotter it's it's unclear it's i mean it's interesting how lightness of skin is is correlated with virtue yep that's true even this far back there's another there's another skin tone section. I think the slaves, the slave women that are caring for Penelope are remarked upon maybe in book 19 as having really white skinned arms, which in that moment I think is meant to imply that they are house slaves or that they work inside and are, are <laughs> delicate or something. But yeah, that does sure. crop up a couple of times. Um, and Penelope goes on this riff where she's like, she doesn't put on makeup or anything, but Athena's taking care of it because, um, the gods destroyed her beauty when they took Odysseus away. Yeah, she says this like two or three times, I think. Yeah, and I'm not sure, like, it, the in those passages, you get a sense that this is wrapped up in her identity, right? You know, and I think that speaks to, like, socially what's going on in, in mm-hmm. this time. But, um, and she comes downstairs and is like, hey, guys, before he left, Odysseus told me that I have to marry one of you idiots when my son grows a beard. And now my son has a sick beard, so I should marry one of you. <laughs> um, but you spent all this time get, like taking my stuff when you should have been giving me presents. And then they just go, yeah, okay, let's give you, I guess I'll give you presents. <laughs> I think, does she say like tonight's that like tomorrow I will choose someone? Yeah, like at the so at the end of the book, she sets up this specific thing where it's a um, it's an archery contest or some kind of contest in, where she tells that to Odysseus in book nineteen. She hasn't told the the suitors about. That oh, yet. This, are we still in book eighteen? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. She's she is saying she is implying yeah that the time has come. Like the the based on stuff she says later to Odysseus in book nineteen, like the 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 trickery with the the shroud for Laertes that yep. she was like weaving during the day and then unweaving at night. They've discovered that and they've made her, you know, put it into it. She doesn't have, she's out of tricks. She doesn't have any more tricks in her bag and Telemachus has grown. So it is like, there is no more, there are no more time times for excuses. Like it's time to go. Yeah. And then 
we get one more section in book 18 um, where Odysseus is hanging out with the suitors and he's arguing with uh, Eurymachus and that's where he gets called a nasty hobo and <laughs> Odysseus is like, man, if Odysseus was here, you'd all be dead. Um, someone, I think Eurymachus throws a stool at him. Another stool gets thrown at Odysseus. Telemachus calls the party off and is like, you all need to go home. Which they do, I think, because they understand that tomorrow's the day. Yeah. Um, we get one quick section where uh, we are introduced to one of the slave women, Melantho, which sounds like some sort of Marvel villain, <laughs> quite honestly. <laughs> and she like insults old man Odysseus for being around. And we get a line where he's like, don't talk to me that way. I'll have Telemachus kill you. And like rip you up into pieces, and that's mm-hmm. that's some foreshadowing coming up. Um, so then we then we're into book nineteen, Andrew, the Queen and the Beggar. Um, so this is a this is a mostly a prolonged meeting between Odysseus, who has not yet revealed himself, and Penelope. Yes, um, and I'm not a hundred percent sure. I guess Odysseus is just trying to make sure that she's still the woman he married or something. Like, yeah, it's kind of unclear what he's up to. Um, Except just that that this pathological need to lie to people all the time, <laughs> which he he definitely seems to love, and and he's trying to give her again. He wants to, I don't know. He hasn't laid this out, but he does end up making a theatrical entrance later. So I guess he's just trying to get her to a point where she will be the most receptive to him, mm-hmm. like swooping in like a hero. Well, and he he notes to her a couple of times. Like, oh, I, I've heard, you know, Odysseus, like he got in trouble with Helios and his cows and he went to Phaeacia, but he's on his way home. He's just going around to get like better treasures to bring home. Yes. He'll definitely be home soon. Quite. Um, he, he was by hustling, Wilson says, he gained a heap of treasure that he is bringing home. Um, and he's take he's taken his time. Uh, we get, a, before he even sits down with Penelope, we quickly get the reprise of the plan with Telemachus, which is like hide all the weapons because they're getting dirty. Uh, yeah, say they are getting soot on them. Yes. And that you don't want the drunk suitors to get too drunk and hurt each other. Yes. But really it's just a ruse <laughs> to make sure that they can't arm themselves when stuff starts going down. And then before Telemachus exits the book entirely, we have this moment where he's walking down the hallway with Odysseus and it's like way too bright and mm-hmm. Telemachus just looks at his dad and he's like, is there a god in here? It's really bright. <laughs> and Odysseus' exact quote, hush, no more questions. Discipline your thoughts. Shh. I'm going to use discipline your thoughts all the time. Shh, sweet boy, don't ask so many questions. <laughs> uh, and then we get this faded meeting with, with Penelope and Odysseus. And she keeps being like, yo, tell me who you are. And he's like, it's too sad. Stop why asking. Do you, why do you want to make this worse for me by asking about my family? And he said, he does say, I am a man of sorrow, which I instantly was like, ooh, that song from O Brother Where Art Thou, which is based right. on the Odyssey. <laughs> but that those lyrics came from something else. Was, mm. um, but yeah, he's, um, he's called he is eventually like, cajoled by Penelope into telling this story about how he's a guy from Crete and he met Odysseus and he, he describes these very nice clothes Odysseus was wearing and Penelope's like, Hey, I gave him that outfit. Yep. 
and um, his tunic was as soft as an old onion. Is the note that I have? It was so soft. It was soft as an old onion it was peel. Soft as an old onion <laughs> peel. Yeah, that's which I guess in ancient Greece that's as soft as things got. It's pretty soft, I guess. Yeah, like a you know the the onion paper that you peel off an onion, you leave it out. Yes, it it's true. Pretty soft. Um, and Penelope is like crying, thinking of Odysseus. Um, and she says this thing that's like kind of. She like goes on a riff towards the end of it. Three. She goes on this riff where uh, she is excited to kind of hear that. Yes, this is definitely you. Definitely did meet him. I know you. Okay, cool. And um, now I think you're a cool dude, um, and I, I will treat you well. And she's like, uh, "What does she say? He will get nowhere here, however much you rate a stranger. How could you have evidence that I excel at all other women in intelligence? If you were kept in rags, your skin all sunburnt in my house." So she's going to take care of him. Human beings have short lives. If we are cruel, everyone will curse us during our life and mock us when we die. The names of those who act with nobleness are brought by travelers across the world, and many people speak about their goodness. It's just like an interesting little philosophical waxing from Penelope here that sort of feels like maybe you would like put it up on your wall. Like mm-hmm. one of those things you would get at like Target that's like a woodblock with a like, <laughs> you know some sort of pleasant axiom on it mm-hmm. um but it, like live laugh love yeah that <laughs> or dance like no one is watching yes. <laughs> with like three different fonts on it in different sizes um mm-hmm. but ha- or like, ble- bless this mess bless just this. like a big bless this mess sign <laughs> but encountering it here at this point in the book after we've seen all this traveling it does feel realer like people have been traveling around the world and they are mostly telling stories about like, hey, I met this cool dude who treated me well here, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Um, so then I guess the next thing that happens is he gets a bath from Eurycleia, the the older servant the old woman. And, yeah, so Penelope is like, hey, you told me a good enough story that <laughs> you can stay here all night. Um, his lies were like the truth, and as she listened, she began to weep. Her face was melting like the snow that Zephyr scatters across the mountain peaks. Then Eurus thaws it, and as it melts, the rivers swell and flow again. So were her lovely cheeks dissolved with tears. She wept for her own husband, who was right next to her. Um, so yeah, Odysseus is, says, oh, don't, you know, don't go to any trouble. But if you have like an old, like bad servant who you aren't using for anything else, <laughs> she can wash my feet. Yes. And Penelope's like, I know just the, I know just the dame. And so here comes Eurycleia, the old serving woman who you might, or it, does uh, Wilson use slave for these? I think, I think Eurycleia is referred to at least once as a slave. Like the old slave shed hot tears at one point. Okay. So yeah. Yes. So she is a, she is a slave woman, but you may remember her from really early in the book where she helps Telemachus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Leave without Penelope noticing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so she goes to wash Odysseus's feet, and then we get this whole story about Odysseus going out as a kid, like boar hunting with his cousins. I, I think so. Yeah, like so his family. Right as she starts to bathe him, he's like, "Oh man, she's gonna feel my scar." Like he, I think the Wilson says he has a premonition of her learning his identity, and it is he. It's his mom's dad comes to visit him when he's born like and is like hey i'm gonna have a bunch of treasure at my house when he's old enough to come get it 
uh, uh. call him Odysseus. And so he goes to his grandpa's house with his cousins and everything, and they go hunting. And yeah, he gets like wailed on by a boar before he can kill it. Right. Um, but so he has this he has this long scar on his leg, and Eurycleia feels it and is like, "Oh, you're Odysseus! Hey, bud, welcome back!" And Odysseus says, like, grabs her by the throat with both says, hands, with both hands, and he says to her, "Be silent! No one must know, or else I promise you, if some god helps me bring the suitors down, I will not spare you when I kill the rest. The other slave women, although you were my nurse, oh my god, so, like, snitches get stitches, Eurycleia." <laughs> I was like the first line, Nanny, why are you trying to destroy me? <laughs> Every seven-year-old has said that to their nanny. Isn't uh, there an episode of Muppet Babies <laughs> where they get really upset with Nanny? Kermit grabs Nanny by the throat. Nanny, <laughs> why are you trying to destroy me? <laughs> Darth Vader's in the closet. And then she's like, she's like, oh, with calculation... Um, Wilson notes that she's like, oh, well, I'll tell you about which of the slave girls are bad. And he's like, I don't need your help. I'm just going to go look at them myself. Yeah, I've already got it figured out. Um, learn to, like, learn to delegate. Yes. Odysseus. That's what, that's my recommendation to you. <laughs> well, he did. And then all those dudes killed those calves. Those, like, that's god true. calves. Well, that, that's just because he went to sleep. Oh, that's a good point. I thought. Um, he has one more conversation with penelope before the book's out and she basically is like should i stay or should i go like should i it's my it's my favorite song she says and i think the lyrics are speaking to me um should i like hang out here with my son or should i should i like go marry someone it's gonna suck um well she even she even has this um yep Yep. She's had this dream uh-huh. where there are a bunch of like geese eating all of her stuff and then an eagle comes in and kills them all and then the eagle says basically I'm Odysseus <laughs> <laughs> and Penelope but shrewd Penelope says stranger dreams are confusing and not all come true there are two gates of dreams one pair is made of horn and one of ivory the dreams from ivory are full of trickery their stories turn out false the ones that come through polished horn come true but my strange dream did not come out that way I think. So great. another like it's another omen from the gods that involves birds. We've got a whole bunch of these bunch of birds where everyone like sees them as like, hmm, this it feels like I should know what this means, but I'm just not sure. And Odysseus is like, yo, I know what it means. He's alive. He's coming. Your eagle has I landed. promise he is coming yes. soon. Um, and so she comes up with the idea that they're going to have this axe. Not it's. It's not an axe-throwing contest. She's going to set up all of his axes. It feels like some weird ESPN3 trick shot competition. <laughs> Whoever strings his bow most readily and shoots through all 12 axes will win me, and I will follow him. I will be parted from here, this lovely house, my marriage home, so full of wealth and life, which I suppose I will remember even in my dreams. Okay. And, and he says something to the effect of, don't worry about it. They can't handle your husband's sick bow. Um, they will still be stringing it by the time that he arrives. Um, so don't worry about it. And she doesn't really believe him, right? Is that true? Yeah, yeah. She's like, okay, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's I hope it's true, but it's probably not. And then she says, I'm going to go to bed and cry. Um, 
into my bed of grief, all stained with tears that I have cried since he went off to see Evilium, the town I will not name. So now, that was another, that is the was a, sickest thing. It's so that's good. That's the sickest thing. So Penelope won't name Troy. Yes. So I looked, I looked this up a little bit, and um, Wilson's translation is basically... So, so what Penelope is saying in, in the Greek is she is combining the Greek word for bad and Ilium, which is another name for Troy. Yep. And so Wilson has put to them together into a portmanteau, Evilium. It's so good. Which is a really, yeah, it's a really sick. So I looked up a couple other uh, like negative nicknames for cities because um, it reminded me of one I've heard before, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Lost Wages, Nevada. Just because the street sweepers will not <laughs> clean anywhere in Philadelphia does not mean it's filthy. Um, Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati. Sacramento, California. <laughs> Fartford, Connecticut. Uh-huh. And the one that I remembered from The Wire, Bodymore, Mudderland, which mm-hmm. is Baltimore Murderland, Maryland. basically. Yeah. But I liked Sacramento a lot. Sacramento's good. I don't. Some of them just seemed like, why are you ragging on this like mid-sized city in Alabama? Like I couldn't even place. So, yeah, who comes up? Well, with some these? cities have nicknames like Cleveland's the mistake on the lake. Oh gosh, is good. Yeah. Um, some cities have like really racist. Yeah, that's those are like, bad. Yeah, like those are bad. I'm not gonna repeat any of them. No, but Evilium is pretty good. And I like Evilium always coupled with the town I will not name. Like she's just yeah. driving the point home. Voldemort. Yes. Um, Voldemort of towns. And so we're set up for book 20, The Last Banquet. Um, hmm. hmm. I wonder what's going <laughs> to happen, happen in this there. Um, I do want to share one note from uh, Wilson's notes section. Um, so in this edition, she has a bunch of cool stuff where she is talking about the the greek and and why she made certain decisions with the translation um but throughout the conversation between odysseus and penelope he is constantly referring to her as my good woman or uh wife of odysseus um and she says with heavy dramatic irony odysseus addresses penelope with a word that means both woman and wife both here and throughout the book the word can be understood by penelope as a form of address but the text allows us to read it in the other sense as well which is kind of neat um because you can imagine him being like my good woman and just like saying it in a weird creepy way where he knows he's talking Ma- to his wife milady milady <laughs> wife of Odysseus, who's totally not me. <laughs> King of lies, Odysseus. Um, it does. Uh, what is his angle? You mentioned that when we started this book. I don't. The the he's poem just, doesn't not tell ready, us what his angle is. He's just not ready to reveal himself yet. I don't think. Like, yeah. Or maybe he just has a really good sense of like dramatic timing. Yeah, that's really what it and is. And he just wants to save. Penelope from all these suitors, like right as he's destroying them. Yeah, because he just wants revenge, right? There's not a logical reason. Okay, the only danger that he has to take care of is like putting the weapons away so the suitors can't fight him. Mm-hmm. I think, other than that, there's really no reason why he can't just rip off his like Mission Impossible mask and reveal himself as Odysseus in front of them, which mm-hmm. he's going to do soon. 
but I don't think that there's a plot reason aside from his own emotions and his own desire for revenge, like why he can't just do it now. Yeah. Which is interesting. He's not a perfect dude. Even as he opines about how like we need to treat homeless people correctly and like with justice and care. I'm like, you are just like planning the most elaborate murders. Well, and maybe he says he wants to fix poverty like Paul Ryan says he wants to fix poverty. <laughs> He's still upset that all these other rich people took his wealth. So yeah, uh-huh. I don't think he is like the most stand up dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's books 18 and 19, Andrew. I think we are uh we're coming home on the home stretch here yeah almost done with yeah. with the odyssey with the odyssey um i don't think i is that the first time we get the whole penelope shroud business i was just trying to remember if that gets mentioned no, they, earlier they, that gets mentioned yeah earlier, right? way way earlier when um i don't even remember when it is i think it, it might be before we Telemachus get out of t- yeah, telling okay. us either either Telemachus is telling somebody or just like the sort of omniscient narrator ish person sure, or sure. Athena or somebody is is talking about. But yeah, they're they're talking about how clever Penelope is and how she has put off these suitors and that the thing with Laertes funeral shroud was mentioned. It, it was many many books ago, okay, but okay. yeah, this isn't the first time we've gotten it. Okay. Um, well, cool. So next time, a bunch of people are gonna eat their last meal. I think. Yeah, enjoy it, you big fat geese. <laughs> the sick eagle's going to come get you. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for your support for making our show happen. Um, if you want to tell us about it, you can write us an email at overduepod at gmail.com or hit us up on social media, twitter.com slash overduepod and facebook.com slash overduepod. Tell folks about the website and stuff, Andrew. OverduePodcast.com is that website. Up there, we got all kinds of stuff, including links to Apple Podcasts and Google Play and RSS. We've also got links to the books that we have read and are going to read for every month. So buy those and read along with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a link to our Patreon project. That's patreon.com slash OverduePod. Um, I think that's pretty much it. That's it. So take us out, Andrew. What do we say? What do we say every week? We, we'd say... um. We say... I'm trying to find it. What do we say? What do we say every time we leave Telemachus's house? Something about onion tunics. No, that's not it. Is um, it? Uh-oh. There we go. I found it. Nanny, why are you trying to destroy me? <laughs> Break it down.